Gario, what's happening? Yo. This is take two of our attempt at episode one. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's I think it's a good thing. You know, like we were talking about earlier in the kind of the the pre-show show our our conversation that it's good that we're you know building it in public like this and not pretending that there wasn't a longer version that we're trying to refine um you know and then we'll put out at a later date yeah for sure yeah so for anybody listening to this well gario and i tried to record or not tried we did record Mm -hmm. our first take at episode one which we are going to release uh but our initial original plan which we're going to try to execute today was more rapid fire shorter form keep things interesting 30 minutes or so and kind of sprint through a bunch of topics and and, and opinions we talked for two hours and 46 minutes <laughs> uh, which there's a lot of good stuff i just listened i listened all the way through you i don't know if you have to but there's a lot of great stuff in there we're going to release it anyway um but we thought we'd give ourselves a chance to do what we originally planned and set out to do. And that's what this is going to be. All right. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yep. And the, the, the last thing to maybe point out before we hit it here is, you know, news is coming in hard and fast here uh, in marketing and business and tech space right now. So what you're going to hear and see in the full discussion isn't going to hundred percent match what we do today. Cause there's already been some, some changes and updates that which we're going right. to, which we're going to tackle. So with that, let's hit our intro. I like I'm that. stealing that term. Creator enablement. IP starting today. <laughs> Trademark. <laughs> That is the way that you diversify risk. Mm. You... And how do I do it in a way that honors the, the investment of blood, sweat, and tears? Are we considered geriatric millennials? Is that what we You know what? <laughs> legacy building more, right? Like what? All right. Episode 1.5 of uh, Marketing Adjacent. Here we go. So uh, a couple of, uh, we'll call maybe rules of engagement here for everybody tuning into the, the first one here. Here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to rapid fire go through a number of topics that Gary and I have selected prior to some are current event space. Some are things that we're observing in the, in the space. We're going to give ourselves five minutes to talk about each of those. We're going to have a handy dandy timer here that you'll see in a minute. And once the timer goes off, we're going to wrap up our thoughts and move on to the next thing. Uh, and really the goal here is to give you condensed to the point, the most pertinent talking points that we can think of, uh, on, the hot topics today. Uh, one uh, important thing to note, we are recording on Wednesday, March 29th. So things move fast. This is going to be going live 
uh, on Friday. So by Friday, who knows? Half the stuff might sound different and look different. Uh, but it already has from. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, with that in mind, uh, we're going to have three segments. First is going to be the rundown. We're going to give you the rundown of what we believe are the top three most important, most impactful current event topics in business, tech, marketing, advertising, etc. Number two is, is it useful? We're going to look at a recent campaign and dissect it and talk about whether it is useful. And number three is perspective. That is where Gary and I are going to talk about our perspective and opinions on an observed trend that we're seeing through our work in the marketing space. So with that, let's give people the rundown. All righty. So number one topic is the TikTok ban, the looming TikTok ban. I'm going to start our timer here. So I'm going to set the stage here. A uh, number of things have happened here. Uh, number one, obviously, we all know the government's looking to ban TikTok, uh, and it's seemingly more and more real. And there is now the Restrict Act that has been proposed. I'm not, not going to read through this whole thing, but pretty much it's, they're looking at literally what it is, restricting use of certain technologies and websites and access to communication and things like that. Uh, and it's, it's quite interesting, uh, I think is one way to put it. And again, you can see the topic here is TikTok, TikTok ban and regulation of tech, more general terms, because that's really what this is. It started out as the TikTok ban. That's what people seem to be latching onto, but there's a much bigger thing at play here, right? Which is, um, What's the precedent that's being set here? Mm -hmm. Whether it's this bill and if it passes or something else, right? Meaning once a particular platform is banned, does that now set a precedent for the government to ban another one and another one? And for what reasons? What are the limitations, mm -hmm. right? And I think rightfully so, there's a number of uh, critics of this bill that are saying, well, this is the same thing that China is doing with their, you know, great firewall and all this kind of stuff. So what, you know, how is this any different? Um, and, you know, my, my thoughts on it are, I think that, yes, we do need more and better privacy regulation. I don't know if there's a way around that. Uh, I mean, you're seeing the difference between the U.S. and Europe. And I think that's where things are going. But, um, you know, at what cost? Does that come? And in general, can the government even keep up with the pace of change of technology and appropriately handle, you know, and set up the regulatory environment? Um, I actually don't think you can ban it. I don't think that's the way to go. I think a different form of regulation needs to be in place. And I don't think, again, looking at the high level detail, I think it needs to be more guardrails for private institutions mm. and mm -hmm. 
more of a strict ban, if you will, for government and and like defense institutions, which they're already doing anyway. You know, Congress people can't do it, military can't do it, etc. So, I think rather than enforcing it on the greater populace, I think allowing corporations to a certain extent police themselves. And if the concern is proprietary IP and data and things like that, let corporations do it rather than banning this at the national firewall level or whatever. Gary, what do you think? Yeah, this I'm with you that the proposed solution isn't actually going to solve the, the, the broader, the broader problem. Um, and, you know, the two things about it that's making me a little uncomfortable is the, all the other players in the space are actually doing the same thing, right? You know, they just happen to be, um, uh, been doing it for a much longer, Facebook, Google, they all have access to our data. And as a result, um, are able to do a lot of the things that the legislators are accusing TikTok of doing. And, you know, I remember the, the example that we were talking about that's not as nefarious for advertising purposes, but, you know, just something as innocent as uh, Strava, right? They had their, you know, there's a military base, I forget, in the Middle East somewhere, and the, 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 the military folks that were there were just, you know, running, um, you know, on their own and people were able to see, okay, there's a lot of activity in this particular space. We have identified these individuals as military folks and therefore they were able to get an idea of where there are U.S., you know, there, there was a U.S. military base, right? And again, you think about something as simple as that that's not nefarious at all, just unintentional, and you pair that with, well, what if there's actually negative uh, intention behind it? What happens? And to me, that means that, you know, people have to be in, we have to be in more control of our data and the laws that were built, you know, to allow that level of, of privacy and control needs to be updated for the 21st century. That's this is a much this 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 is kind of where it went off the rails the last time because we kind of went down a huge rabbit hole. But um, in this in, in the spirit of this, we'll 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 transition and maybe we'll come back to it at the end. Yeah, it's a worthwhile rabbit hole for those who want to listen to it. We're gonna release that, like I said. So, all right, topic number two on our list is layoffs at Meta, and how that relates to the larger topic of the quote unquote AI revolution that we're all experiencing right now. So, um, you know, if we, if we look at uh, Mark Zuckerberg, this is a couple weeks ago now, but it's, I think, important to look at. Uh, he released his, you know, statement around, you know, Meta's year of efficiency. Pretty much this is when he said, you know, they're going to cut a whole bunch of jobs. But the thing that caught my eye here is down here where he talks about you know investment in tools to get more efficient mm -hmm. reading between the lines what he's really saying is hey we can have fewer engineers do the same amount of work mm -hmm. right and we're 
that is, I think, a major thing that, again, I don't think we're ready for as a society. I think technological innovation up until now has moved fast, but not this fast. I mean, AI, like, I, like at the scale we're seeing it now, what, six months? ChatGPT initially came out? Not even? Yep. And we're already talking about impact to jobs, not theoretically, practically. Yeah, uh, we're writers, creatives, engineers. I mean, literally, it's everything. We're going to dive into a topic at, at a bigger level here. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, when we think about what's happening is, I think it's this, again, the, the rate of change is uh, the issue. And, you know, uh, there's, I don't know if anybody saw, uh, was it yesterday, I think, that open letter came out from a whole bunch of, you know, big names saying, hey, can we slow this down? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, I don't know where it's going to go. I signed it because I, I agree. I think it's, <laughs> you know, again, my opinion, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think we are ready for this. And I think in a capitalist society where things are moving so fast in the name of the dollar, you know, I believe this is this is the equivalent of our Manhattan Project. Yep. In our generation, in both scale and potential impact, both good and bad. So I think we owe it to ourselves to slow it down just a teeny, teeny bit. Yeah. Um, we've been going back and forth on this quite a bit on on LinkedIn. Um, you know sharing articles that we're seeing, different perspectives. Um, I think the, the, the two, two things that I'm thinking about with this, like that, that open letter was interesting. I don't think it's gonna change anything, right? Like it's, it's, it's a nice little, you know, hey, we're, 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 we're asking you to slow down. Like you mentioned, it's, it's, we're, we're a capitalist society. Google's not slowing down their arms race. Microsoft's not slowing down. Um, you know, every player is is racing to to, to integrate some sort of AI into into what they do. So I think I think the solution here is, you know, as professionals buckling up and just going like, look, we got to learn this stuff quickly and figure out how. How can you use it to, to to be better at your job? That's kind of from an employee employer standpoint. That's kind of the you know what needs to happen. The last time we, we talked, this idea that still been rattled around in my in my head, and I think it's actually a good thread to pull on, is the idea of the rate of change. Our current laws and institutions are not set up to regulate at that pace. So. We're gonna have to figure out. I think you called it agile, agile legislation, right? That framework, I think, needs to get needs to get put into put into place, so that you know we can mitigate some of the risk of like all the stuff that's that's coming at us. Because there's not enough there's not enough worst case scenario red teaming taking place that. You know, people are people are looking at all the good that it can do, but not enough people are going, okay, but what's the worst case scenario? And when there is a worst case scenario, there's kind of a black box. They don't know how the 
how it got to that worst case scenario, but then they put guardrails around it, right? And I think that there's, I think we just need to be a little bit more thoughtful and acknowledging the worst case scenarios and planning for it. Um, Because actually, I'm going to suggest that we go a little bit over on this because I'd love to have you talk a little bit about your idea of the downstream impacts that is not being talked about, specifically when it comes to jobs. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll keep it brief. I mean, the example I gave um, in a LinkedIn conversation is, uh, again, it's going back to this rate of change. You know, when the automobile first came out, sure, the you know the the carriage driver was probably pretty easy for them to become a, a, a chauffeur. Mm-hmm. But what about the horse farmers, right? Mm-hmm. And, and again, if we think about it, yeah, sure, that took decades, fine. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, then think about as innovation changed uh, with uh, whatever the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the atomic revolution in terms of how quickly that uh, escalated things from a energy grid perspective and, we- and weapons and all sorts of stuff, right? Then you look at, and, and that obviously impacts, you know, global politics and all sorts of other things. Then you look at the iPhone as another example. That took what five, six years to kill off pretty much every other, you know, mobile phone manufacturer out there right. that was at the top uh, and changed all sorts of other yeah. things. And like we're talking about, this is six months we're talking, right? So we're thinking about all these downstream effects of okay, what does this mean for? I mean, literally everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay, what does this mean for jobs? How can we, you know, usually the answer is, well, retraining. Well, retraining mm-hmm. has been a really, has been really awfully done historically. And that's mm-hmm. when things were slower. Like, right. who's going to spin up a retraining right now that's going to solve this problem in six months? This is not even realistic. I don't think it's a realistic option. Um, you know, and let's not forget, like, there's, we're talking kind of mainstream stuff. These same technologies are being used for drug discovery and all these other things like, okay, do we, is the FDA even ready for that? Right. For the potential flood of new drugs that they have to, you know, research are are our current regulations up to speed to like keep up with this, right? It's one thing to discover them. Great. You discovered it. But if it takes you five years to get the thing to market, does it really matter? Right. Right. So there's just all these things in my mind. And I know we're we're over time, but that's sort of my, my thing of downstream effects of, of this. Yeah, we, we made it to, again, we made it to pick this up on the on, on the back end of this. That's but, right. Oh, well, let's keep going. All right. So last topic in the rundown here. Uh, people have kind of forgotten about this, but I think it's still important. Aftermath of SVB. Right. I think with all the things with AI and TikTok, I feel like that the news cycle is sort of forgotten about uh, SVB a little bit, unless you're following financial news specifically, but I think it's really important to talk about. Yeah. Well, let, let, let me cue, let me cue this one up from the standpoint of the, the marketing angle, right? Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of conversations going on online right now. A lot of people are all of a sudden, you know, 
armchair financial banking regulate regulation experts, right? So if, if, if we leave that aside and just look at, again, you're talking about the rate of change, how the current banking system, I don't think was designed for the two, two main things that caught my attention during this whole saga, right? The first was how quickly the, the decision or the coordinating of the quote unquote run on the bank took place in a digital era, right? Via Slack, text messages, like banking, you know, I, I, I imagine the bank, the bankers went to work like every other day, just, you know, nothing, nothing's changed, right? All of a sudden, someone interpreted something that they did as a negative, which just happened to be a center of center of influence, right? Um, Peter Thiel, I think, was 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 um, agent zero, as they say. Um, but he touches so many different entities, people who look to him for just kind of thought leadership, uh, companies that he's invested in, his network of, of folks. And you start this chain reaction of, um, you know, in our world, we call it like dark social, but, you know, it's it's basically conversations that aren't visible kind of to the to, to the public via you know messaging messaging apps that coordination takes place and then there's the run on the bank and i think it was like what is it, it was like 40 something billion in a in in a in a day or something like that like just crazy amount of 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 money that just got requested to be moved now you have the the speed of that coordinating take place and then you have the speed in which we expect to be able to transact large volumes of dollars online taking place as well. So again, it's you get back to what we're talking about, the rate of change that's happening and the technology being used in unexpected ways and our regulatory systems and just the way we think about doing business, not being prepared for the downstream consequences. So that's the setup. What do you think? I think it's uh, <laughs> it's it's an interesting lens for sure because in, just in general, if we extrapolate from even this, right? It, I think everything in the age of social media just disseminates and spreads so much faster, mm -hmm. right? And again, the the common thread there, I think, a lot of things we're going to talk about is now we've got another layer on this because mm -hmm. we can create an insane amount of noise in the system, if you will, with generative AI. And it can spread like wildfire mm -hmm. because of how social networks work. That's the whole premise. And uh, I do think it, I pulled up that, that uh, headline from The Guardian. It was, uh, you know, I'll pull it up one more time here. It's the first Twitter-fueled bank run. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, just that headline makes you think. Right. right now, you know, they've got, you know, the photo here shows people lining up and I'm sure people did, but the reality is the majority of these transactions were done online. They weren't done at the bank. Right. Like 42 billion was not pulled by these people standing in line that I just showed. It was pulled right. by, you know, uh, company founders that were, I think you even talked about, 
in our long conversation around, you know, people being on stage at, uh, forget what conference, and making transactions. South by, right. there you go, right? So it's, uh, I think just, I don't I guess my, my, my thought on it really is, um, and you, you talked about it, which is this, this, all of a sudden the, the cognitive load that it puts on the individual, the, the investor, the entrepreneur, the business owner of, well, now I got to worry about this yeah, from a very different angle than I thought I would. One more thing to worry about when you expect to put your money in a bank and the, and the money's just there, right? Like you don't expect to have this be another layer of due diligence. Start building a startup is hard enough. Now you have another layer of due diligence that's being put on the the controller, the CFO of the company in the midst of economic headwinds. Yep. Totally. All right. Well, this is all, it all sounds like doom and gloom of all the stuff we're talking about. Let's talk about something fun. Right. All right. So is it helpful? We're going to talk about some marketing campaigns, some recent ones, um, to, to maybe set, set things up a little bit here, you know, um, actually, no, you know, I take that back. Let's just jump in. Cause I, rather than setting it up, let's just jump right in. Here's what we're talking about. Talking about two campaigns, Gario, you wanna you wanna set these up? Yeah. So the the first is a uh, what is twisted tea? It's a like, it's like hard, a hard uh, hard tea, right? Alcoholic, whatever. Uh, yeah. So I'm, Clearly, I'm, we don't drink. <laughs> right. We're gonna cue we're gonna cue these two up, um, but. So I'm going I'm to keep them brief. So the first one, there was a campaign. Uh, yeah, there it is. So a, a creative agency decided that this was a good idea. Um, and we, we, can, we can talk about how they arrived at this as a part of the creative process, um, but they They sat in a room, um, brainstormed this, this, this idea and decided that they were going to draw a connection to, uh, iced tea and vasectomies, right. And that that was going to be a good use of their company's marketing investment. So we're going to, we're going to. We're gonna chat a little bit about about that whole process, and the second one is Coca Cola, uh, yeah, using some of these new tools and technology that's kind of on the market now to create a uh, you know a campaign. And my thought on this is, it's on, on both of these actually that it's predictable. Um, no knock on the people that 
you know, came up with the idea because I'm sure they're pretty creative people. But the the process of how campaigns are designed today result in lazy solutions like that, right? So with that being the setup, um, actually, let, let me explain why why the the Coke one is lazy, right? It's they they look at these technologies and just at the surface level, that's like basic, right? You if you've ever used Midjourney, you're gonna take some assets and you're gonna make make something cool, and we're gonna run, we're gonna have potential customers or clients, uh, not clients, uh, you know, Coke drinkers create use our iconic assets to create their own art. That's kind of the the premise of it, crowdsourcing it, and then somebody wins a prize. Okay. The technology is so much more powerful that if someone had just went a step further and go, okay, we've done that before. What else could we do? And given themselves the time to be a little bit more innovative, they would have come up with a better solution. Same thing is true on the, on the, on the iced tea thing where everybody sat in a room, everybody brainstormed, someone came up with that idea and nobody turned and said, okay, well, let's add another layer on top of this and go, does this add economic value to the organization long-term? So, you know, the, if to, to, just to close the loop on it, the first, for the first one, nobody asked the secondary question of, is there a better way to tie this back to a business outcome? And where Coke is concerned, it's, is there another way we can push this idea further than the most obvious solution? That's the setup. Yeah, and well, my, my mind goes to first in this whole thing is the con this concept of when I talk about affinity versus awareness, mm -hmm. right? I mean, the Twisted Tea example specifically, it's like how many commercials can we think of the commercial was memorable, but you have mm -hmm. no idea what brand it was for. You know, the, mm -hmm. the one that comes to mind for me almost all the time is the, uh, and I had to look this up recently, is uh, the Geico Camel. Remember mm -hmm. the hump day commercials? Yep. Uh, hated that thing because my name is Mike. Mike, 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 Mike. Anyway, um, it was, everybody remembers the Geico Gecko. Nobody remembers the Geico Camel. Mm -hmm. Maybe not nobody, I'm sure somebody out there does, but it's this whole thing of you need to connect the idea to the brand. It can't just be a clever idea on its own because that, that's, a, that's a flash in the pan, short term. Maybe it you know does something for your revenue numbers, especially for like a consumer product, maybe mm -hmm. for a very short period of time, but likely not. And then because the opposite example of that that I that I think about, and I think this is like a you know HBR case study if I if I remember correctly, is the uh, Tide commercial from like like the early two thousands two thousand eight ish or something, I don't remember the year in India, where they ran this campaign around um, uh, fathers talking to their daughters about laundry, because in India there's kind of this traditional you know division of labor only the women do laundry the men don't like that kind of thing and, and what, what was one thing, one thing to point out there that this was when that campaign ran 
was at the height of the lean in movement. Mm, yes. Yep. <clears throat> that's a very, that's a very good point. Um, and the impact of it was men started buying detergent, right? That was one of the unintended consequences. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's an example of it's a, it's a current events topic, if you will, mm -hmm. but it connects directly to the brand and the brand ethos, if you will, not right. just, Oh, Hey, we sell detergent, whatever. Right. And I think that that's a core component because you see this a lot with what I call current events chasing mm -hmm. in marketing where it's like, oh, this this thing is happening. Let's jump on it. This other thing is happening. Let's jump on it. And it's just what's the connection? Right? I mean, the, the basic example I always give is like the, uh, the commemorative days. Right. It's like, why? Unless you're going to do something that really connects to your brand ethos, just don't bother. It does absolutely nothing for you. Probably even hurts. Right. So. That's, that's my thought on that. Right. What about the Coke? Coke? Uh, same thing. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's funny. Initially, my thought was when you sent it to me, like, that, that's kind of cool. Yeah. But then as we talked about it, I'm like, yeah, okay. It's late. It's lazy thinking as always. It's right. lazy thinking. And again, it's like, how can you, you know, you know Coke is supposed to be like, of the people connecting the people, you know, Coke around the world. I mean, there's so many directions that could have taken this and right. instead it's just, Hey, let's just create some AI art. Right. Eh. Lame. Right. I think something that you, you pointed out when we were talking about this, this earlier that I think mm -hmm. is worth um, flagging here as well is how often you interact with the use case for the brand, right? So for the, 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 the sweet tea or the, yeah, the tea, it's during the Super Bowl is the kind of the big moment. So you, you add up the cost to produce this thing, to promote it, to buy the Super Bowl ad, like all that, right? That's that's a huge capital expenditure to for that one moment that is pretty much forgettable. But then you look at the, uh, the, the Tide ad and it's every time you do laundry is a is a opportunity for a brand moment, right? When you're standing in the grocery aisle and you're looking at the detergent because you went to go buy it, a woman or a man, that's an opportunity for that moment. So it it goes beyond, it has a longer shelf life um, for the brand than just like a flash in the pan. So you can smooth out that cost curve a lot further. Um, Cause I mean, look at this, we're talking about this ad today and you know if we were you know if we were in the market for tide you know from different reasons we're not but if we were to go to the grocery store and we had this conversation it's either going to be a word of mouth where we're talking to our significant others about it or we're looking at the aisle and we go oh yeah i remembered this conversation that i had and i'm picking up tide that literally goes directly to the bottom line and I don't know if that ad is is still running. It's probably available on YouTube, but it, it it's a cultural moment that spans longer than the time it ran, right? So yep. again, return on investment right there. 100%. All right, and with that, let's move on to our next segment here.
got to work on my transitions. That was a lame trend. Not, not the visual. The visual is fine. I had, a, I had a different transition plan. We took the conversation in a different direction. I was like, uh, next segment, please. Yeah, you know anyway. what? We're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're definitely going to get better at this. Uh, I, as you mentioned that, I'm thinking back. Like We had a lot more dad jokes in the last in the last the last recording there was there was definitely a few, yeah. was definitely a few. <laughs> for those who like dad jokes you got That's two and a half hours worth of no i'm kidding yep. uh in the other recording but all right so uh, perspective um what we want to talk about here is we're we're calling the the rapidly changing white collar work landscape Mm -hmm. long-winded way of saying there's a lot of stuff happening and if you're not aware of it everything's going to change mm -hmm. um and i think being especially i think us being in marketing and sales and being so tech forward in the business that we're in the businesses that we're running gives us a first row seat if you mm -hmm. will do this i want to not a seat we're not just a we're, we're active observers of that if you can call it that Right. We're, right. we're active participants. We're, participants. we're using the tools. Yeah. And so uh, I think there are four main things happening right now, uh, all at the same time, where if it was one or two of them, I think it wouldn't be as big of a deal. Mm -hmm. But all four of them happening at the same time, I think is causing a major sea change, major consternation. So what are they? Number one, the economy is currently in a bit of a downswing, mm -hmm. right? Globally for that matter. So recessions are not new. They go in cycles. If this was the only thing happening, wouldn't be that big of a deal. You could adjust. Mm -hmm. Correct. Obviously, we've got AI. Mm -hmm. That's a huge thing all on its own. Even if that was the only thing happening, that would be a lot. Mm -hmm. And it is a lot. And we're going to dig into that. But now you add to that remote work. We just got through the pandemic. Remote work is all of a sudden a big thing. You know, I haven't looked at the latest stats, but, you know, a large portion of the workforce is working remote. Mm -hmm. And now companies are trying to force people back to the office. It's not working out so well. There's all these things happening. Again, if that was the only thing, not that big of a deal. You got these other two. Last but not least, generational shift. Mm -hmm. The uh, We have a changing of the guard in both leadership and subject matter roles that's happening across. I mean, really, I guess it's white collar and blue collar even but we're specifically talking about white collar here uh work and you take all those four things together and i don't think we're remotely ready to deal with it as a uh, as a society as a nation as a as businesses so that's my that's my perspective <laughs> yeah it's always doom and gloom from mike grimberg no, it, it's, you know, I, I like to call it, you know, when, when you and I chat, there's a little bit of uh, pragmatic optimism that comes out of, comes out of all of this, right? And, you know, in, in, in the last, last time we talked about it, and this tends to be a common theme where we, when we, when you and I get together, it's, you know, looking at the realities of the world, not, not through rolls colored glasses, but with a sense of, okay, if we understand the facts as they are, then there's an opportunity to impact, you know, to impact the direction with, with 
towards a positive outcome with a little bit more intention, right? Um, and I think, you know, when we when we when we last spoke, the, the thing that that stood out to me that that kind of got me excited about all this was the fact that for the first time in history, in our lifetimes, right, we have lived through a global pandemic, right? That, that has never happened before in our lifetime, global. And you couple that with coming out of that global pandemic, there is, you know, if, if, if depending on who you who you talk to, it's either as revolutionary as fire um, or, you know, the restructuring of the internet as we know it um, or as transformative as the Gutenberg press, right? The, the distribution of knowledge. I think it's somewhere in the middle, right? But it's still, it's, it's still going to fundamentally change like every facet of our lives. Right. And, uh, the thing that thing that it reminds me the most of is a cross between the internet as a whole, like graphic user interfaces and what that ushered in and the concept of search, right? Like the way we interact on LinkedIn, we search Facebook, we search, we search the global internet as a whole. So there's this thing that we now use, it was a behavior that changed. All of a sudden we had knowledge at our fingertips. This is a version of that. And every generation experiences it a little bit differently, right? Getting back to that generational shift. Um, and that's where I think it's a challenge today. Um, but within that challenge comes a lot of opportunity, right? And that, I, I, I'm looking at it from through the lens of, of sales, right? So just one example, you have, you know, old school sales folks that understand business acumen, know how to work a room, understand how to read nonverbal cues, you know, have lived in the world of, you know, bag carrying uh, salesmen, like selling knives, right? You know, like you have that group. Then you have another generation, but they have no idea of the new technology because this is not how they operate. And then you have another generation that is afraid to pick up the phone, is not able to- I hate picking up the phone, I'll be honest. Well, <laughs> yeah, but you know, but you, 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 are, you are comfortable in sales conversations. And I think a lot of younger sales reps have been given the promise that the internet is going to save them from the the need to just go through the reps of rejection, right? Go through those uncomfortable conversations, get stumped by an objection that you don't have an answer for, right? So you have this opportunity here where you have two generations that have skill sets that if you create a, uh, an environment where they can have that knowledge exchange, you end up with both being better. And, and that's just in sales. The same is true for every single role in any organization. Um, so this whole idea of like, you know, remote work and, and so on, I think every generation feels differently about what's happening, right? If you're, if you finally earned your way to the corner office right before the pandemic, you want everybody back in the office, right? Because you earned that spot, right? If you've never met your coworkers and your entire relationships were built online, 
the commute just seems like an unnecessary burden being put on you by your employer. Right. <laughs> Sorry. So, I'm just laughing because I'm right now I'm recording literally from my bedroom and I've got windows on all sides and my bed's right there. So yeah, the commute sucks and I've got my, <laughs> and I've got my, uh, my corner office, if you will. <laughs> but you're more productive, right? So it's like, I think there's just a, a cultural negotiation that needs to take place and aligned incentives, right? Like if, if you are, I don't know if you use the example of, of the corner office. If, if I'm, you know, of the generation where I get my best work done in the office, right? And I got a corner office and this, this is, this is, I worked my entire career for this, right? So I'm going to be comfortable going into the office. What is in it for a, a young person that's just starting out their career and, you know, doesn't have that experience, haven't, hasn't paid their quote unquote dues to get to that corner office and don't care about it because they, they, they've never seen their, their, their boss or their supervisor or their manager aspire to that. So they don't even know that that's something to aspire to. Well, there's an opportunity for mentorship. That's why you come into the office, right? But I think it's, I think the communication about that isn't being done well, right? You hear like, hey, we're gonna mandate two days a week in the office. Okay, but what for, right? We can get our work done, um, you know, via Slack. Okay, cool. But you're missing that face-to-face -face mentorship that will make you better at your job. Nobody's talking about that, right? And the same thing is true on the other side, like learn how to actually interact remotely, asynchronously, right? That that needs to happen too, because if you're if you are gonna lead, you have to learn how to lead the people the way that you're gonna get the best work. That's what leaders do, right? So you as the person with the corner office have to learn to adapt as well. And I think that nuanced conversation is not being had. So again, back to the whole idea of um, optimism is, you know, and, and, and us having a very like, what are the facts? I think, uh, yeah, we just need to have more of those honest accounting of like, where are we? What are the facts? And then what collective story are we going to tell ourselves about the fact so that we can paint the future that we, we want to build? And the same is true for AI. The same is true for just, you know, the future of work. It's all the same thing. It's a story that we want to tell. So that's my optimistic take. Nice. Well, I think we end on an optimistic take. There you go. I think it's a good place to stop. All right. Until Catch next time. Catch y'all next week, people. I feel like we should do more of these. <laughs>